Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris. Me, Matt. And welcome back, friend of the podcast, Clarice Lockery. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me back for more of this. Yeah, it's been um, a funny old few weeks, isn't it, really, in the UK and all around the world. So this is what we're doing to take our mind off things. Yeah, it's perfect time to watch a really bad but also kind of great movie. So yeah, you've chosen another doozy for us, haven't you, Clarice? <laughs> Look, <laughs> my taste is my own. <laughs> Uh, and I stand by my choice. What did you choose? I chose the 2004 King Arthur uh, by Antoine Fuqua, not to be confused with the Guy Ritchie one from, what was it? 2017, 16? Yeah, probably, yeah. Just as as good, I think you'll find as well. (laughs) No, 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 no. We'll not stand by that comment. For centuries, historians believed that the tale of King Arthur and his knights was only a legend. But the myth was based on a real hero who lived 1,600 years ago. My father told me great tales of you. fairy tales. People so, so brave, so selfless that they cannot be real. Arthur and his knights. My duty is to my men. I'm going to slaughter your people. Mark my face. It will be the last thing you see on this earth. My power shall be with you wherever you go. Able to fly without wings. On this day, if this be our destiny, so be it. This this movie is was a surprise to me. I've actually not seen it. Uh, I, I know I'm well aware of it because I remember when it came out that we had all these character posters that were sort of uh, showcasing um, all the famous and fabulous actors that were in this movie because. As we, we were discussing uh, off mic and we were kind of setting this podcast up today is uh, that, that pretty much every actor's in this movie. Yeah, and like people who were not so famous then and are famous now are, are in it, which is what I find really interesting. Yeah, so let's let's run through a brief plot synopsis. I mean, anyone who's kind of familiar with the King Arthur uh, legend will kind of have an understanding of what that is. But this takes a very different take on that old tale, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, could you say it's more historically accurate? Well, according to the opening blurb, it says it is, because it says it actually has the words, historians agree (laughs) that the classical 15th century tale of King Arthur and his knights rose from a real hero who lived in thousands of years in a period often called the Dark Ages. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it's been referred to anything else apart from the Dark Ages. But yeah, recently discovered archaeological evidence shed light on his true identity. I will say, I I did ancient history at university, and I will say my take on this is that this is a genuine theory. <laughs> I mean, it's questionable how many people actually subscribe to it, but, you know, people have written about it, suggesting that it might be true. <laughs> this is kind of like a Nolan-esque, isn't it, in terms of how he's bringing it back to some sort of reality. It's, it's, it's like if Nolan did, you know, <laughs> like, fantastical kind of adventures. Yeah, I think 
I actually quite like the idea, even if it's not, I mean, it's going off like one vague historical theory. Like, I think it's, that's what I kind of like about it. It's like, okay, well, we're doing something different with the King Arthur legend. I mean, we're not being particularly historically accurate with it, but we're trying something different. And I appreciate that. I feel like it has been done a lot, right? So the actual King Arthur thing has been done many times. So I guess it's nice to have something slightly different. I think that's what all Guy Ritchie was thinking as well. But what do you think went wrong, Clarice? Uh, here, I think people just didn't appreciate the majesty of <laughs> 2004 King Arthur. Honestly, I think the what I like about King Arthur is that it's weirdly sort of aged well because I think with the distance of time you're able to appreciate how it's so much a product of 2004 it's just the most extreme 2004 movie to me because it's coming off the back of both the success of Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean and it's like let's kind of put those two things together also it's Jerry Bruckheimer producing so it's Mm. like it's also sort of Top Gun (laughs) in terms of like the absolute sort of it's so masculine that it's kind of homoerotic mm. what i love about this movie is every scene is the epic uh, attack on helm's deep <laughs> epic epic moment yeah. even if it's just two people having a conversation in some stables it's like this is the scene though man and <laughs> i love that that energy never lets up for like two i because also i own the director's cut which is two hours and 20 minutes of just this and it's just so like beautifully exhausting that's an extra 14 minutes on the one i watched and it's quite different because i so i rewatched it yesterday uh with a friend i skyped in with a friend who was watching the normal cut and it's not only that they've added new scenes it's like things have chopped and changed like they've shifted whole scenes around and it's like some some real effort went into this director's cut did they put all the blood back in on the director's cut yeah there's there's a lot of heads (laughs) (laughs) like heads rolling around because that's something that's really obvious from the normal cut is the fact that there's these what appear to be incredibly brutal battle scenes where no one actually appears to actually get hurt because there's there's not a drop of drop of the old claret Maybe I should have clarified that I would recommend <laughs> my choice. My choice is the the director's cut of two thousand and four King Arthur. Oh well, there's the my notes cut. out the window then. <laughs> yeah, because you, know, you gotta have all the blood and the heads bopping around, and every battle scene is like half an hour long. I must admit, each battle scene made me like. I was like at the end, like ah, oh, if only there was a head. <laughs> So then I would have, uh, yeah, then I would have been happy with that scene. Five star classic. We just could have gone in one head, one precious head. I think for me, the thing, the things that made it quite a difficult watch. I mean, I enjoyed the the bits that you're you're, you're both talking about now, like the fighting scenes are all very impressive to watch and stuff. But the bits that that got me a little bit impatient were it's quite complicated and they kind of all the prefacing and the the explaining that they try to do before ultimately we get to a bit more eye candy with you know the the fighting and the and the rousing speeches and uh, ray winston doing his thing which um, <laughs> is is fine to start with but i think eventually it does get on your nerves a bit doesn't it he's he must be exhausted uh, having to uphold that kind of level of enthusiasm the whole way through this movie <laughs> Everyone in this movie is using every scene to deliver their imaginary Oscar like nomination (laughs) 
scene, you know that little scene they play when you're nominated for an Oscar. Everyone's trying to do that for every scene in this entire movie, and so everyone is just yelling all the time. It's great. <laughs> it's almost like you need Gary Oldman in this movie just to level, you know, an, an extra loud voice because he shouts every line of dialogue he does. I don't think you'd need a, that to throw that in the mix as well. <laughs> well, um, everyone's Gary Oldman. Everyone except Keira Knightley in this movie is Gary Oldman. And Keira yeah. Knightley's still Keira Knightley. I don't know. Cl- Clive Owen seems a bit doily in it, right? He's not. No, no, no. I wrote down in my notes about Clive that he he's taking it seriously, and I quite liked him in it. I think he I think he was doing his very best to 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 show the humanity in Arthur and a bit uh, showing a different side to that character that we potentially haven't seen before. You know, he's edgy, isn't he? He's very edgy. He's stupid. Mm. What he is. <laughs> <laughs> is he, and he's wearing eyeliner as well. I noticed in a few scenes, which I thought was magnificent. 2004. Yeah, it's the 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 time for men to wear eyeliner. (laughs) Bring it back, that's what I say. So let's go through the cast. So we've got Clive Owen, he's front and centre as Arthur. Lancelot, we've got Ian Grufford. Can I, is that the right way of saying Ian? I think that's the right way of saying anything. (laughs) Oh my God, how did you even say Grufford? It's Ian Griffith, right? Thank you. It's my my understanding. Yeah, he's in it. Um, got <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen, which I, I didn't even know. He's brilliant. He looks so um, he looks so cool in this. Uh, Joel yeah. Edgerton with magnificent hair, I've got to say. I had massive hair envy for every character in this movie. Oh, uh, so many wigs. <laughs> so many wigs. Um, uh, Hugh Dancy, Ray Winston we've talked about, Ray Stevenson, Kira Knightley, um, Stellan Starsgard is is. Well, what's Stella Starsgard doing in this movie? He's just like drunk. Is he drunk? Is he supposed to be drunk? Is he just supposed to not give a shit? It's going to be evil. He's quite like sexy in this movie. <laughs> he's quite. He's got like a bit of like a rock star. If you just take a screenshot of him in any scene in this movie, he's got like a bit of a a lean, like a rock star lean. <laughs> I think he kills it in this movie. I'll be honest. Yeah, but he's very he's very mean, and he's he's not a likable character mm. at all, is he? Um, oh, Stephen no. Delane's in this as well as Merlin, and I did not recognise him at all. Like even at the end when they kind of keen him up, when after he's won, uh, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I did not I did not recognise him at all. It doesn't look like him, and he's quite recognisable. Mm. Generally, so they all the uh, the knights of the round table have all got kind of like special powers, haven't they? They've all got <laughs> their own skill. I kind of got confused. I thought at one point I was watching Robin Hood because I was thinking, which one's Little John? And I think, oh, it must be him with the axe. But <laughs> I got the my movies completely around the wrong way. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, the, the Robin Hood series introduced that kind of uh, double sworded, um, mysterious fella, which would obviously fall into the Tristan Mad Mickelson character, who's the best one out of the lot. Right. What, Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen with his, yeah. with his, with his he's got, eagle? He's got a hawk. He can shoot oh, yeah. people out of trees, even if they don't know he's there. Um, he can split knives with another knife. All, yeah. all this with a bit of hair in front of his face the entire time. It yeah. was impressive. What I find confusing about his character is that he's kind of a samurai, except he's not because he's some Sarmatian, because they're all Sarmatian. This is the whole thing. They're all from Sarmatia. And Mm. I guess because they they realised nobody in the audience was going to know what a Sarmatian looked like or where Sarmatian was, they're like, well, just do whatever. And so he's like kind of, yeah, kind of samurai-y, but in a really vague, like non-committal, like, hey, look, he's a Sarmatian, so... 
that could mean anything. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> the best, isn't there? The best bit of him when he, he he does this thing with the arrow. I think you mentioned it there, Matthew, where he just turns one 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 direction, yeah. the other direction, and then he fires the arrow, and it does like the sting and kills that guy in the tree. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That was my favourite <laughs> bit in the whole entire film. <laughs> Mostly because, um, obviously, uh, Stellan Skellegard's uh, Cedric uh, character had gone, go on, go hide in the tree. And he's like, right. And, he, and like, no one could possibly know he was up in that tree. But yeah, very, the very first arrow of the final battle just takes him out. Yeah, but did the eagle tell him, do you think? Yeah, the eagle's like the second set of eyes. Yeah. I don't know how the eagle told him because the eagle can't talk. But <laughs> We don't know this. We're he might use an elaborate sense of sort of feathery sign language to point out traitors <laughs> yeah. in trees, maybe. I don't know. Beak Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the actions, I guess. Uh, there's several good set pieces, as you said. You mentioned Helm's Deep there, Clarice, and I was really got loads of kind of um, flashbacks of those those movies the, the ice frozen ice or river lake um action scene was pretty tense mm. i mean terrible cgi ice but hey again my defense any any criticism of this movie that you will levy, levy at me i will just respond with it's 2004 remember that we're in 2004 <laughs> anything goes yeah. but yeah i think it's pretty good generally like if you stand on a bit of ice and you hit it with an axe it's not the bit of ice 200 yards away it's going to break it's probably going to be the bit that you're standing on mm. uh, i'd really like to have seen a cut where he just sort of walked out there heroically smashed the ice and just instantly fell through and everyone was just like what was he doing and i don't know <laughs> he's got axe skills <laughs> yeah sorry i forgot the superpowers he knew how to do it in just the right way <laughs> for me it was quite tense you know that obviously uh um clive owen knew what he was doing in terms of getting him to group together and then obviously the weight was shifted and then they, they all pegged it under the ice which is i just thought it was quite dramatic um i so i'm trying to i'm trying to help clarice here matthew do you know what i mean it's just you know yeah yeah i mean there's, there's some bright points here <laughs> <laughs> um can we talk a little bit about Kira knightley i mean is she a navi uh in this or not what, what is it why is she blue she's a pick well well no she's a woad Right. She's a woad, which I don't know if the woad's particularly warm. But yeah, like people did paint themselves blue amongst the tribes of early Britain. So, I mean, I just think they look like Smurfs, but <laughs> like, angry Smurfs. like the ancient proto Smurfs. But... Well, I, I thought it's a bit like uh, Avatar and, and uh, the Gungans in, uh, in Phantom Menace, the way that they're kind of just <laughs> these tribes, people in the trees. Are coming up, mm. I was expecting kind of Jar Jar Binks to run out on one of those little horse things that go, It's a me, I come to help you. <laughs> Sorry about that, but yeah, it, it kind of had that feel to it, didn't it? Again, 2004. The IMDb facts and trivia and goofs is full of people I don't want to meet <laughs> who points out that like someone's sword pommel was from clearly 200 years later, and it's just like that's that's a level of detail that. Uh, no one wants to be sat next to. Yeah, and to be fair, if you look at Gladiator, Gladiator is so wildly historically inaccurate. It's exactly the same approach yeah. of just like, oh, let's just take a bunch of cool stuff that we know is all vaguely Roman and smush it together. And but we don't we don't notice it because Gladiator is so great that we just assume that it must be like we just assume it must be historically accurate because it seems important and like epic and and with the weight of knowledge and and Ridley Scott like he must know what he's doing <laughs> in truth he did not 
but I still obviously I like love Gladiator but I think going too hard on King Arthur for the historical accuracy is is unfair in that respect yeah especially when there's so much more to go after it for <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's the least it's the least of anyone's problems with this movie is this um Disney property as well isn't it am I right in saying that yeah, it's Touchstone, so come on, Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> Put on the full <laughs> director's cut, two hours and 20 minutes, Disney Plus, come on. Auto plays after The Mandalorian. <laughs> I think because this movie is so obviously trying to copy every cinematic trend of the era, I would imagine if I was a critic and not a 14 year old child at the time that this came out I would have been very wearied by it but because I was dumb and didn't know what good movies were like Mm -hmm. I thought this was like the coolest most epic thing I've ever seen so I I sort of understand why there's a divide there because if you're forced to see every movie like this and then you have to watch this it's like for god's sake not (laughs) another one make it stop yeah, but if this is like the first time you've been out to the movies in like a while, exciting action, romance, hot guys, hot lady, only one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one woman in this movie, it's fine. <laughs> you know? Yes, not so much of a love triangle, right? As a love, I have no idea what shape that would make, to be fair. There's just so many other men. <laughs> It's funny you said it. I got confused over who she was with in terms of the, the love interest. Was she with Arthur or was she with Galahad? Not Galahad. Lancelot, um, Lancelot sorry. See? Well, there is one extra scene in the director's cut where they actually, she and Lancelot actually have a conversation and it would at least vaguely set up that this is meant to be a love triangle mm. because it is really strange that she's so upset by the fact he died even though they really do not know each other at mm. all and it's like oh no hot guy i met like two days ago <laughs> no <laughs> like it's almost like just the fact that he's hot just we as an audience are meant to assume that she would be sad about that because it's like the loss of his cheekbones to this planet. <laughs> it's just like devastating for any straight woman. Because <laughs> we did like a super cut of all their interactions. And it's basically they, they meet. He, he tells Arthur that he, she, they should leave her. Like don't bother with that. Then he spies on her getting changed. She spots him. And then he dies. And that's pretty much yeah. their, their list of interactions. Well, they share that horrible rape joke. And then he <laughs> dies. <laughs> I had some other issues with the the, 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 the sort of scene when they, they found uh, Kira Knightley in that the, the poor, like, weird monks, I don't know quite what they're doing there, the, the sort of Ken Stott monk people that were there to to torture the, the, the woads, um, is that he got, I counted it, he got walled up four times. <laughs> he got walled up, first of all. Then they broke it down and went down there. And then they balled him up again they pushed him in they were they were we could take care of nightly yeah and we're gonna be we're gonna wall up the monks again then the saxons came along they broke it down got him out and then he said is like cedric was like i'll put him back and wall him up again it's like i'll just you could have just left me in <laughs> so why do you just keep bringing me out of this hole and then walling me up again 
And also, they've got cement on hand. I mean, is there a, is there a, is there a Jusons around the corner or something? Or so, what, how, how are they getting all this <laughs> the cement? Things when King Arthur's there, they can hear the Saxons coming, and he's like, wall them up. And the rest of them are like, oh, it's going to take some time. None of us are registered builders here. And he's like, no, get get him in there. <laughs> oh, but that's like a show of his morality because he hates religious hypocrisy. That's like a big thing with King Arthur. He hates mm. any kind of hypocrisy because he loves Pelagius. <laughs> yeah, loves <yeah>. Pelagius. <laughs> and so that's it's like, it, that's the thing. That's the wrong thing he should be doing in that time, but he's doing it anyway because he's so mad about it. <laughs> he's just so mad that he will risk everybody's life to make sure that these monks go back in their little hole. <laughs> little hole. Um, yeah. What were they doing down there with the dead bodies? What was it? What was the point? I missed that uh, piece of storyline. Well, just like punishing the the pagans. Is that it? How, it was two thousand religious people Chris. do. <laughs> <laughs> I quite enjoy how how actually quite harshly critical of organized religion. This it's not against like faith at all, but it's it's quite harsh against. You know, so the, all the hypocrisy of organized religion, and it says, you mm. know, the way that it's corrupted. It's like that's kind of a a pretty big political statement for a <laughs> this movie, <laughs> this movie to make. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. There's a couple of um, quotes I'd like to read out, which is quite well. Some reviews uh, that from uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which I think work quite well. Uh, from Wendy Eyed back in 2004 said it attaches itself to the Arthurian legend like some parasitic worm well that's harsh, <laughs> um, harsh. A gladiator light uh, is what Peter Travers called it in the it's by the same show. writer right gladiator and this is the same guy David Franzoni I think did gladiator as well yeah he did and Amistad Amistad gladiator then King Arthur <laughs> oh wow all what at a, the same level yeah, <laughs> like literally, like no plateaus there at all. The tomato meter on this one was 31%, and even the, the, the audience score is quite low at 59 as well. So I think most people have watched the you know the theatrical release because all the other comments that I could, I'm reading about this movie is the fact that the, the director's cut, as you say, Clarice, is the best cut and actually works the most. Oh, don't make me watch this again to see the director's cut. That's too much, oh. right? Sorry, I should have warned you guys. I forgot about the director's cut until I sat down to watch and I was like, oh yeah, it's two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, the head came off. Although, to be fair, in 2004, I went to the cinema and watched the theatrical cut and immediately loved it. So I think okay. maybe I'm just more used now to watching the director's cut, but... I did love it when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) The King Arthur backstory kind of flashback things, right? So we kind of have his sort of sword in the stone moment. The thinking or the the emphasis behind the sword in the stone was that like he saw his, his village being attacked and then a flaming wagon like smashes into his mum's house and traps her in there. And his first thought is, I know how to get her out of this, a sword. I'm going to go get a sword to rescue my mum from a burning building. Does that make yeah. sense to anybody else? <laughs> make sense. They probably run past several buckets of water to get to the sword. Well, no, because the mum's dead at that point, right? This is more of a revenge sword, I assume. Uh, because, like, he's not going to jump into a burning... Like, that building is on fire fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's over for mummy Arthur. <laughs> 
Mummy Castus. Mummy Castus is gone. So run and get the sword and kill as many of the bad people. The bad people. The... Yeah, run and get the sword, then run back to the house, watch it slowly burn down. <laughs> And then whilst plotting Look, he's moved on. Revenge. He's moved on to the revenge phase. He's he's fast emotional growth. How old is, how old is this uh, little chap at this point, do you think? I have no idea how old children are just by looking at them. <laughs> he could be five. He could be 15. Who knows? I'm he's somewhere sorry. in the middle. I think, to be honest, he's somewhere in the middle of that, uh, of those two extremes. Yeah, but I mean, just, I mean, he would, any normal kid... He looks like a young kid. He looks like he's what nine, ten, or something. They would just be crapping themselves, wouldn't they? Running for the close, the nearest bush to hide in. They wouldn't be sort of. Well, uh, nine, ten in the dark ages. He's like two thirds of the way through his life, right? So. Well, that's yeah. true. That's true. Hence and he's that. a follower of Pelagius. We got to remember this. <laughs> and Pelagius knew what he was talking about, and he said. If your if your mother dies in a fire, you gotta go run to the nearest sword, and you gotta take care of the people who did that because that is what God wants. So do it. Yeah, but he never knew Plagius died either, though, did he? Like his his information yeah, network was not. That's strong. great. It's like the big reveal is yeah. that he thinks Pelagius is still alive and spreading his message of like freedom and justice, and then they're like no he died and then he's like oh crap the rome that i thought i'm fighting for a rome that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> i mean come on that's a great a little dramatic moment but then it's his emphasis isn't it to stay and be king of england yeah because yeah rome is crap now so i like the way at no the point. end he just kind of goes well i'm going to be king like, <laughs> like he's literally got no no standing at all marrying wait no 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 because they tell him that his mother was a woad, so the, he is actually half heir to this throne. I think um, there is some line where they suggest that she is, she was part of their group because he says, "Why would you kill her?" And they're like, "We didn't want to kill her. She was one of us." <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch this now. I missed that bit completely. <laughs> I'm number one defender of 2004. <laughs> I know my stuff. I did come up prepared. I came with the knowledge, the receipts. <laughs> I would also like to point out it's not only Mads Mickelson in this movie, but also Hugh Dancy, meaning it's a pre Hannibal Hannibal team up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, look, it's got Hugh Dancy and Mads Mickelson. Literally, what what more do I need to tell you? <laughs> and Kira Knightley's got a, a boob belt, and it's amazing. It was again very two thousand and four in the way that it had like that one strong female character, and yeah. she's got a bow. She doesn't need saving from any man, and in in the battlefield, she's kicking and hissing at people because that's yeah. what women do. <laughs> they go, the big final battle is a bit of a weird one, right? Because I don't see it at the point where it gets planned out the night before they're, they're having some sexy alone time. And then in the morning, <laughs> there's like two huge armies ready to go. And um, I didn't understand if his plan was always that his night guys would come back. Night guys. <laughs> they should call the sequel to this King Arthur and the night guys. Yeah, it's, yeah I don't know. It was weird. But yeah, again, it's just, it's just pickety pick, pick, pick. But just doing it's not yep. as picky as he picked because this one guy who picked, pointed out that um, the tree that the traitor was in was a horse chestnut tree and they weren't around for a thousand years. <laughs> oh, there were bigger historical inaccuracies than that. 
the type of tree, really. <laughs> I like the fact that I like to imagine that the guy got the whole way through the film going, no, no, this is fine, I can let that go, they let that go, and then he sees the horse chestnut and just, like, storms out the cinema. This is basically a documentary, except for the fact that this tree is wrong. Otherwise, <laughs> this is exactly what happened <laughs> at the end of Rome's occupation of Britain. <laughs> What is your favourite thing about this film? <laughs> okay, so my favourite <laughs> is... Okay, because they say at the beginning that knights come mm. back, dead knights come back as great horses, right? And so they say that at the beginning, you forget about it until the very end when Lancelot is dead and all the other people are dead. And then at the very, very end, it cuts to that shot of the horses running. But then this whole time, this movie has been narrated by Lancelot, which suggests that the movie is narrated by a horse. Mic drop. Isn't that beautiful? This whole t- That's the big twist ending of King Arthur, is that you're sitting there thinking that you're listening to Lancelot the dude <laughs> telling you about his life and it's like no 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 this is Lancelot the horse it's amazing if they'd cut to like a, an interview with the horse as he's unclipping his microphone so was that okay did you get all that it's like that's perfect yeah thanks uh, Lancelot do you need do you need a taxi or like um, no I'm fine I'll, I'll run I also love um, Lancelot's really specific burial requests where he's like burn me and throw me to a strong east wind and you're like god, like the second he dies everyone's like oh god we gotta find an east wind <laughs> how do we do that it's gotta be strong as well <laughs> it's like it's south southerly do you think he'll notice it's like that's no, fine i mean i actually made a note about this as well because um the way they burn him that's the, that's not the way things burn <laughs> so they they put him in a hole and then they put things on mm-hmm. top yeah. and they just burn the shit on top. All that's going to do is basically burn off his coverings and just leave a slightly crispy looking Lancelot staring up at them. Yeah, usually they do stick them on a boat, don't they? Like, uh, and, and push them out to water and then they're on fire. That yeah, way. It's, 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 like they for, it's like they forgot. It's like they dug the hole, buried him <laughs> and Tom went, oh, and that's not what he wanted. He wanted <laughs> to the be... East wind. The East There's an East Wind. We can burn him now. It's like, all right. <laughs> Chuck some twigs on and see if that does it. Shut up, Nigel. Oh, what a get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) It's Friday, it's five o'clock. (laughs) (laughs) Who dies uh, out of the uh, Fantastic Five or um, the the Seven Dwarfs? Who who dies in the cast? Do they all peg it or do they all survive apart? Tristan dies, doesn't he? Because he he faces Mm -hmm. off against Cedric. In, a, in an epic, um, very much like the end of Star Wars, there were two people that can't fight or move particularly well mm. um, in an epic battle, which annoyed me because Tristan, as I've mentioned and professed my love of <laughs> several times already in this podcast, um, he was clearly more skillful than both Arthur and Cedric, but yet he managed to get carked by him. So, mm. yeah, it was just Tristan and Lancelot that, that did it. Okay. No, that's not oh. true. Is it not? Because... Dagonet died as well. Oh. So that's why there's three horses there. Yeah, yeah. he died earlier. Is he? Um, is yeah. he? Oh no, I was going to ask you. I was going to say something ridiculous. I said, is he related to um, the other uh, Ray? Um, Ray Winston. Ray Winston. <laughs> I, just, I completely forgot how names work. Yeah, so. that, that's the way gruff cockneys name their people. They just like, oh, he's going to be a, t- he's going to be a bald-headed toughy. He's a Ray. <laughs> I just thought he was related, and oh my god. This is doing. Yeah, this lockdown's bad. I also made a note that the the child that he saved 
basically just run up and robbed him after he was dead. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you notice that bit? Run That's, up. it was fine. That's his new dad that he knew for 48 hours. Yeah. Did <laughs> I love how intense the bonds are made here. When I feel like, I think it's just like a day and a half has happened and everyone's already in love. They've got father figures, this jealousy, <laughs> deep friendships. It's, it's quite yeah. nice. And, and also, um, Ray Winston's wife is... Uh, got her eyes on there's that little kind of weird thing going on with not uh, wife no no you weren't married were oh, they, they weren't married oh we're gonna have to get married now because the Look pressure was on um what's the odds on that <laughs> <laughs> five to one i'm gonna have to get married <laughs> <laughs> is it betfair he does the adverts for <laughs> one of the two um so it, it, lancelot dies clive is alive tristan <laughs> tristan is dead gay when He's alive, Joel. Galahad, alive. Bors. Yeah. Bors. Is that what he says all the time when he gets excited? Is that what he's screaming? His own name? It's his own name. Oh, no. Ross. They're saying, I don't know what Ross means, but they keep saying Ross. Rusks. 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 Farley's Rusks. Uh, Dagonet <laughs> dies. Guinevere. We I mean, know. he's got 11 kids, so, you know. Yeah. And they're all his. Well. They're definitely all his. Um, yeah, yeah. Looks nothing like him. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, what we've established is that we're both fairly decent at uh, Ray Winston impressions tonight, if anything, uh, Matthew. We've been good. Yeah, the uh, COVID throat really lends itself <laughs> to doing Ray Winston impressions. Too soon, too soon, Matt. Don't joke about it. Sorry, yeah. Um, I know it's impressive, Clarice. Sorry about that. They've been good. I've been very entertained. I'm sorry that I can't contribute because I can't, I can't do Ray Winston. <laughs> some, Please try. Something else to work on. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Okay. So listen, it feels like a good time to sort of just tie everything up in a nice little neat ribbon, set it on fire and throw it to a strong easterly wind, if I can remember. Strong east wind. Strong east okay, wind. So... Not easterly, because I would infer that there was some other direction that potentially no. may come in there. Precise east. Precise east. Um, I think um, based on the, the, the power and the passion uh, that Clarice has come to the table with today that we, we obviously have to eject this from the bunker and shoot it up the pipe. As I, I don't know why I've started to use that as an analogy oh, uh, out into the general public. Uh, I, I was on the fence right up until the moment the horse was narrating the whole thing the whole way along and now I want to watch it instantly again just with that Greatest twist mind. of the 21st century. <laughs> well, Take that, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> It's been an absolute blast. Thanks so much, Clarice, for, for coming on and uh, defending the honour of this fantastic movie, even if it does play Thank hard you. and fast with uh, our very special mythology to to us as English people. <laughs> <laughs> what can we? Um, what can we see? What can we? What are you up to? What's your? Uh, what you? <laughs> Let me start that again. Sorry. Um, are you up to anything? Uh, how, do you, how, do you, how can I ask this question, Matthew? <laughs> Because the answer's very little. <laughs> very oh, little. God. Okay, where can we find you online then, Clarice? What's your Twitter handles and things? Uh, yeah, best place. I post pretty much everything I do on Twitter. So if you go to, it's either just Clarice Lockery and I'll come up or Clarice Lou because I started typing my name and then just ran out of space. <laughs> very unimaginative. <laughs> 
Okay, well, listen, thanks, thanks again, Matthew, thank you as well. I mean, if you like the, the like we've heard so far in terms of the Movie Bunker podcast, you know where to go. We've got our own website, Matthew. What's the address of that? Uh, moviebunkerpodcast.com. Oh, that's brilliant. And, and you can subscribe and follow us on the usual social platforms, get involved in, and uh, discuss these critically panned movies together with passion. That's what we're here to do. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Chris. Are we doing that now? Are we with a fucking... I know, this is weird. Now, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Where did that start? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going with it. I have no idea what's going on. Do you not want to do that then? No. <laughs> That's weird. Can we all yell, yell Ross? Yeah. Ross. Ross. Without Ross. knowing what it means. Ross. 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 Take care, everyone. Uh, see you later, Clarice. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Bye. Ross.